and together with you and your church, we're planting churches everywhere for everyone. Through Send Network, we've helped Southern Baptists plant more than 8,700 new congregations just in the last decade. And that is history making. If we continue at that pace, by the year 2030, one-third of all SBC churches will have been planted since 2010. Through Send Relief, we're meeting physical and spiritual needs at ministry centers near and far. In Las Vegas and Appalachia and Puerto Rico and everywhere in between. Together, 30,000 volunteers and missionaries from all over North America are feeding, helping, welcoming, and loving. And as they do, they're earning opportunities to share the gospel with people who've never heard it before. Through Who's Your One, tens of thousands of us have committed to pray for and share the gospel with one lost family member, friend, or neighbor. Those commitments have led to countless gospel conversations. And those gospel conversations are now leading to countless baptisms. Those are the kinds of things we do together. We send more than 3,000 chaplains to hospitals and prisons and military bases. And you give tens of millions of dollars to the Annie Armstrong Easter offering so that together we send missionaries over the U.S. and Canada. The end result of all those things is this. Believers are sent. Needs are met. Churches are planted. And souls are saved. It's a beautiful thing because we're all in it together. Good evening. <laughs> we were having some technical issues with our uh, video displays, so those of you who are watching online and even in here, uh, some of the images may be a little broken when you see them, uh, so, uh, but that's just where we had to go with it and so we could do it. Uh, the videos should be okay. They just may be uh, reduced just a little bit. So uh, let me just share with you to, with your um, uh, bulletins that you've gotten tonight. You should have had your prayer guide in there. Uh, you can basically kind of follow along with us tonight uh, as we do that. If you're there online, we'll have those up uh, tomorrow uh, for you there on the website. Uh, but you can go ahead and get your bulletin downloaded, uh, your children's worship bulletins, all those things. We're there on Twitter, on YouTube, on Facebook, and on our phone live streaming. Uh, so I don't want to take too long with that because we're running so far behind. Uh, we do want to get everything in that we're sharing with you tonight. Uh, we've got a special message from uh, Josh Hatfield uh, from Calgary, Alberta, Canada, that he's going to share with us uh, via video that he uh, videoed yesterday, I believe. <laughs> so we've all been uh, getting it just by the seat of our pants. So, Brother Mike, if you'll come in this. Good evening. Turn your hymnals to 567. Share his love. 567. Miss Pat.
As we begin our time here with our North American Missions emphasis, we wanted to share with you our Annie Armstrong Easter offering. Who is Annie Armstrong? So listen carefully uh, to this biography video. For almost a hundred years, in big cities with a hundred skyscrapers and tiny towns with one stoplight, on college campuses, and Native American reservations. And churches, too many to count. Hundreds of thousands of men and women and boys and girls have made hundreds of thousands of life-changing decisions. Almost none of them knew her name. And yet, she was there. Annie Armstrong lived more than a hundred years ago. Only this one picture of her survives. History could have easily forgotten her, but Annie Armstrong is worth remembering. In the late 1800s, when most women had no voice, Annie was one of the first to speak up. First, for the urban poor in her hometown of Baltimore, and then for Southern Baptist missionaries around the world who desperately needed support. It was for these people that she helped start the National Women's Missionary Union. As its first executive leader, she gave women a platform in their local church and in ways that they'd never done before. These women helped focus Southern Baptist attention on the hurting and the lost and the missionaries trying to reach them. Annie wrote letters, 18,000 in just one year. And she traveled across America, encouraging missionaries and inspiring churches to pray, to give, and to act. She worked long hours, paid her own expenses, and refused to accept a salary. And in the darkest days of the Depression, right before she died, an offering was named after her. Today, the Annie Armstrong Easter Offering helps missionaries in the U.S. and Canada 
start new churches, and meet needs through Compassion Ministries. Over the years, Southern Baptists have given more than $1 billion to that offering, and 100% of it, every penny, has gone straight to the mission field. There's still work left to do. The need is bigger than ever. And that's why, even though she lived more than a century ago, and even though only one picture of her survives, Annie Armstrong's influence lives on. Because today in North America, just as it's been from the beginning, anywhere a missionary is sent, every time a new church is born, anytime someone gives to her offering so that a lost person might be found, Annie is there. What a great ministry she did. Who wants to start writing those 18,000 letters again? That's a lot of letters, isn't it, in one year? Uh, Miss Rima, if you'll come and share with us our challenge about the Annie Armstrong Easter. Good evening. It's a joy to serve here at Highland with our missions ministry team as we seek to. Um, be a part of missions on a local level, a state level, a national level, and a world level. But this is the week that we focus our attention on North American missions. So our theme, as you can see, is United. It's a great theme, a little hard for us to grasp sometimes in the world we live today, but it's a great thing for us this year. It's really based on scripture verse from John 17, verse 11, uh, when Jesus prayed for his church with these words, that we would be one as Christ and the Father are one. We truly do need unity, the kind of unity that comes when we can rally together and to share hope to a very lost and divided world. There's a very practical first step that we can all take, and that first step is prayer. So we find ourselves this week, March 6th through the 13th, as the focus week for uh, the week of prayer for North American missions. I hope that each of you have gotten a prayer guide and will use it this week as a daily guide to the prayer needs that are listed there. We're going to look this week, and tonight we'll get a preview as well, at the stories of six missionaries and their families who are investing their lives to advance the gospel. Advancing in places like the inner city of St. Louis that we heard about this morning, advancing the gospel in Puerto Rico, in Washington, D.C., in the Niagara region of Canada, advancing the gospel in Denver, Colorado, and in Cincinnati, Ohio. So my prayer is that as you read this week about the specific needs that these missionaries have, that you in your heart will first pray. That's the biggest thing that we can do this week for the unity that we have as Christ's church. But then after finding out the specific needs, of these missionaries and our uh, 
mission efforts throughout North America that will be led to consider what part we have in advancing the gospel, that we have a heart for missions and that we will take part in that. So as you can tell on the screen, um, our goal is $7,000 here at Highland. The national goal for our convention is $70 million. Remember that 100% of what we give toward the Annie Armstrong Easter offering goes straight to our missionaries and their support for church planning, for evangelism, so that we can see um, Christ shared throughout our continent. Your giving helps missionaries live and work in some of the darkest areas of North America, but your gifts and your prayers shine a light of hope to all of those. So thank you much. Let's be united. We live in a Christian nation. That's what some people say. Maybe that's why they often ask, why do we need missionaries here? There are places in North America where there are very few churches. People are very open to conversation, but nine times out of 10, they have not heard of Jesus. There is no pastors, there is no people can share the gospel with them. There's lives that can be made whole with the gospel. And we're watching God change people's hearts and change people's lives. But I wish people knew how many more laborers we need in the mission field because it's more than we can handle. Church planting is hard. We just got to work together. We can do more together than we can do apart. We need all the help that we can get, and that's what Annie does. It allows for more laborers to come here. The Annie Armstrong Easter offering unites us all, big and little, young and old, black and white. We all give because we know that when we do, our communities will look more like this. And we all give because we know there's a name and a face on the other side of that gift. This offering, this gift that we're giving to and that everyone else is giving to, it does have a face. It's my face. This is the body. This is the body of Christ. That's what any Armstrong means to me. In the church in the New Testament, the New Testament church was literally a melting pot of so many people. Sound familiar? 366 million people live in North America. 350 language groups and partly what you can see on the screen there, 275 million are estimated to be lost without the hope of the gospel. These numbers are big, 275 million people uh, that are lost in America. That's men and women, children, uh, that's young adults. Uh, among that population is more than 40 million people living in the United States who were born in another country. That's one-fifth of the world's migrant population 
more than any other country. Almost every nation in the world is represented in North America, uh, making it one of the most complex uh, mission fields, so much so that the International Mission Board now works with the North American Mission Board to reach the people groups here. And so I want to encourage you, as you've already heard, to pray, to have eyes uh, that are open to see the people around you who are in need of the hope of the gospel. And I want you to hear from some of our missionaries, uh, the ones we mentioned this morning, the birds uh, who serve in St. Louis, and hear their story, if you will. In St. Louis, there's a plethora of churches. One of the constant things that we kept hearing was new church. Why do we need a new church in this community? We already got a bunch of them not doing nothing. In this neighborhood, I mean, there is a lot of homelessness, prostitution, fatherless homes. The world has changed. Sin has increased. There's more crime. There's more drugs are prevalent. It's not a secret thing anymore. My family and I bought a house in the community, and we moved there in the community. So the people that, that we wanted to reach, we were living amongst. We would set up um, on a Sunday, bring our own church, bring a barbecue pit, some chips, some hot dogs, and we would have worship service in the neighborhood park. And we just began to live there, love there, serve there, and people started to come. When we see people submitting to discipleship relationships, when we see people surrender their heart to Jesus, when we begin to see the neighborhood beginning to change around us, like that's when we just know, like, like we're, we're doing this right and we wouldn't change it for the world. But it's going to take all of us working together to ensure that, that, that lostness is being addressed in our communities. It's the body of Christ. There's someone in Tennessee, they may never come to the inner city of St. Louis, but they can give and contribute because they believe in what we're doing as a body, as an entity to help us to get to that next level. We just got to work together. We can do more together than we can do apart. So we want to pray for the birds to have wisdom uh, in, in creatively reaching their neighbors and pray for God to open uh, hearts to the gospel through Faith Community Bible Church. So I want to encourage you to be praying for uh, the bird family. Uh, on day three in your guide, you're going to notice Itamar Elizalde, I believe that's maybe how you say it, you'll, you'll hear her. She is from Puerto Rico, uh, which is an island that just really over the last several years just can't take, catch a break. Uh, in the past seven years, it's faced economic crisis, uh, two major hurricanes, a political scandal, six weeks of nonstop earthquakes, and then COVID-19, uh, as everyone else was dealing with also. But God is using that to open doors to share the gospel. So listen to her testimony in, uh, as a missionary in Puerto Rico. I get the question of why move back to Puerto Rico. In the last 10 years, Puerto Rico has experienced financial crisis, political crisis, crises with hurricanes and earthquakes. And on top of all of that, you've got the COVID-19 pandemic. And so they're like, why would you go the opposite way? Everyone's trying to leave. I think there's a lot of opportunity here in Puerto Rico in terms of ministry. A lot of the folks that we minister to just live alone because families have moved onto the mainland and people tend to leave behind some of their most vulnerable family members, it takes their support system away from them. And so one, who I later met as Rosa, sent me a text that said, I live alone, I don't have any food left, please just help me. So I asked, can I call you? 
and realized that she lived near one of our local pastors. And so he and his wife came here and went to see Rosa and really ministered to her and invited her to church. She agreed and um, and listened intently to the message and, and then after the service accepted Christ. This is something that God is doing and I get to join him in because of what Christ has done on our behalf. And in gratitude, we respond by serving others. And so that's the importance of giving because that enables us to continue to meet these needs and ensure that the gospel is proclaimed and preached and that churches are planted and that missionaries are sent. Puerto Ricans, they've been through a lot and yet we're gonna do what we need to do to overcome this and we're gonna overcome this together. And so we wanna pray for Itamar's team to share boldly also as they meet physical needs there and for the hearts to be open to the gospel there and praying for more missionaries uh, to come uh, to the work. As she said, who wants to go there? Everybody's wanting to leave from there. And so that's why she accepted the call uh, to go there. Uh, we also have another family we want to highlight, and that's the Huntleys. Jennifer and Jared Huntley, they have a heart for military personnel long before they reached uh, Washington, D.C. Uh, he had served in the Army uh, and knows firsthand how difficult it can be to navigate those challenges uh, in the military culture, uh, especially without Christ. So listen to Jared and Jennifer's testimony, the Huntley. I was raised in a Christian home, but I gave my parents a really hard time. And so I finally decided to join the military because I wanted to do something hard and actually finish it. And it was actually towards the end of my military service when I gave my life to Christ. And having spent time in the Army, I know uh, that it can be a really spiritually dark place. They're young. They're far from family for the first time. They don't have maybe a lot of good influences. A lot of broken homes, marriages struggling, addiction, a desperate need for the gospel. There's a lot of young Marines here and they're living in the barracks. When we started this church, we knew that that was an area that God was calling us to reach, to host Marines for a Marine dinner once a month is where it started. To have something like a dinner that they can come to and just be themselves and sit on a couch and eat a warm meal is really impactful for them. More and more guys started coming and we baptized our first Marine last summer. And then that Marine led to another Marine and then another one to the point now where every week we're seeing fruit. This church like means business. Uh, they don't, they are not okay with you just punching your church card every week. <laughs> it was obvious that this was a church that was doing church like the Bible says we should do church. I feel encouraged every time I go to church, like I wish every day was Sunday. When people give to Annie Armstrong, it enables churches like ours to reach military members and their families with the gospel. Washington, D.C. is a city with many, many nations. So to have a gospel-centered, healthy church here is reaching not only the people in this city, but cities all across the world. The military is already moving people around, and as they're moved from place to place, they can take the gospel with them. It's exactly what Jesus has called us to do, and God is changing people's lives. What a powerful opportunity there for uh, a whole another army, God's army, uh, that is being uh, equipped to go as, as soldiers are being moved around from one place to another. So pray for uh, Jared and Jennifer to have uh, God's favor on those military bases and, and in the community. Uh, pray for open hearts amongst uh, the military personnel there as they grow in their faith 
uh, in their future assignments. So remember the Huntleys in your prayers this week uh, as they're serving there in Washington, D.C. Uh, and then we want to remember the Martins, uh, and I'll share a little bit more about another video testimony we're going to share along with them in just a moment. But in the past couple of years, Stephen and Cindy Martins uh, have become uh, good at inviting themselves uh, to other people's houses. You ever done that? <laughs> no. Uh, they've got thousands more uh, they want to visit, but that number is getting smaller. In the area where they live is in the Niagara Falls region of Canada. 89 to 90% of the population of 400,000 doesn't believe uh, in God. Uh, and so watch and hear their testimony. A lot of people think that the time of doing public evangelism has, is long past. And we, we recognize that's not something that's done regularly anymore, but we thought, well, why not? And that's actually how we started this church. There's about 14,000 Latinos in the region of Niagara, and realizing that there really isn't a sort of established Latino church that preached the gospel biblically. Um, because I come from a Latin American background, I felt led, I felt called by God to, to take this missional step. When we started church planting, one of the things that we wanted to help our church or the culture of our church be is that, that we have a really tight community. Latino culture is very family oriented, but there are a lot of people who don't have their immediate family here or their extended family here. Niagara is home to a large number of migrant workers who leave their families uh, at home and so we've been meeting uh, at this place in a, in a barn, actually, where we would share the gospel with them. We would go into God's word. We would learn what the gospel is and what Christ is asking them to do with their lives. And then afterwards, there's a game of soccer because you can't have community without a game of soccer. In this season of church planting, it has been a journey where you walk kind of blindsided in a sense, but then you're not alone because we had the support of other people. What you give, what you're really doing is you're giving tools into people's hands to sow the seed of the gospel so that their lives may be changed. We become their family and they become part of ours. And that just doesn't seem what our thinking would be. You're going to reach out to Hispanics you would think south, southern U.S. Uh, areas, uh, the regions, but they're in Canada. As he said, for over 14,000 uh, migrant Hispanics that are there. And, and so we wanted to share with you one of the personal stories from one of the families uh, that they have reached out to uh, that the Martinses have befriended in their ministry. So uh, listen carefully. They do speak Spanish, but it is uh, in subtitles there for you what they're saying in English. En la parte donde vivíamos eh, hay mucho crimen organizado. Cada día matan a cinco o seis personas. Entonces, um, como pareja decidimos que lo mejor era salir de ahí. Tenemos hace tres años que llegamos aquí a Canadá. Nosotros somos una familia de cinco personas y les dije que veníamos de vacaciones. Porque tenía miedo que, los, que mis hijos adolescentes, este, al saber que nos íbamos a venir a otro país, a otro lugar, eh, pues no quisieran venir y se fueran a otro lado, se escaparan. We were introduced to a Mexican family, and this Mexican family uh, was interested in learning, learning more about the gospel, learning more about the Bible, and that's actually how we started this church. 
desde el momento en el que él empezó a leernos la palabra de Dios, el Espíritu Santo llegó a mi corazón en ese momento que yo dije, me gusta, quiero. Y para mí cuando me preguntaron que si yo quería bautizarme, no lo pensé porque yo estaba segura. Pero después de mi, de, de mi, mi yerno y mi marido fueron al mismo tiempo. Y después ya mi hija. En México, mi familia ya estaba muy separada. Entonces no íbamos a la iglesia, nada. Y más que nada nos hizo muy, muy, muy bien acercarnos a Dios. Nunca me imaginé el, el estar aquí como estoy ahorita, platicando acerca de Jesús. Pero hemos cambiado muchas cosas. Todo lo que somos, todo lo que hacemos eh, es eh, por obra de, de Dios, por su bondad, por su gracia. Wow. Leaving persecution that they were facing there, uh, five to six people being killed every day in the city they were at there. So pray for the Sevilla Chapel to continue making disciples and challenging Uh, in, in that challenging community and pray for uh, Stephen and Cindy to have favor as they knock on the doors and share the gospel. Uh, we also want to share with you about Brianna McKinney. Brianna McKinney says for many people Denver is a lonely place and for community they might go to a coffee shop uh, where they're surrounded by others but they're still alone and so the chances are slim that the gospel will make it into their personal space and so the city only has one evangelical church for every 32,000 people uh, and to put that in perspective uh, there's one marijuana dispensary for every 2,000 people there's one brewery for every 7,000 people but only one evangelical church for every 32,000 people so let's listen to the McKin to Miss McKinney's Denver is such a beautiful place, but it's a very lonely place. People are just looking for community. There is one marijuana dispensary for every 2,000 people, one brewery for every 7,000, and one evangelical church for every 32,000 people. And the Lord has just like softened my heart to that, and I'm like, I have to go. A journeyman is a recently graduated college student who then serves for two years in a city to help support the church plant that needs help um, and needs more resources to further their mission. And so my biggest thing as journeyman is relationships, taking time to hear someone's story and hear what needs they have and just like be friends with them without a hidden agenda. Like with PlaceBridge Academy, which is a refugee magnet school, there was people praying that there would be strong believers come into that community and reach them. We actually found out that one of their community directors there at the school is a believer, and she was the door into letting us come in and serve their community. We are reaching 40 different countries in one place. There is so much work to be done and so few laborers to help do it. Like that's why I pour my heart and soul into these mission teams. They can just like catch a little bit of vision of what's going on here so more of them will come. I felt like it was just yesterday that I was a college student and I gave God this blank check and truly gave up control. And he's brought me here.
And so we want to pray for more workers to feel called to Denver to work alongside the missionaries there and expand the ministries and pray for her, Brianna, and her team there in Denver uh, who are working to love the city there. Uh, we also are going to learn about the Safidis. Uh, Amir, Amir and, and Vicki Safidi uh, weren't sure Cincinnati was where God was leading them to plant an Arabic church. They had been there before, uh, at, just after leaving uh, the Middle East. It hadn't been easy, but then they met Travis Smalley, lead pastor at Lakota Hills uh, Baptist Church, and he and his congregation came alongside of them. So listen to the Safidi's testimony. My name is Amr. I'm from Jordan. I moved um, with my family to the uh, U.S. We faced in Jordan a lot of persecution. Uh, it was so hard, but when we came here too, it wasn't easy for us. Me and my wife, uh, Victoria, was praying for the, the state and the cities that didn't have Arabic church. After a long time praying, God said Cincinnati. We have a significant group of Arab-speaking people, so we've been praying for quite some time. God, would you give us someone that we can just kind of turn loose in that people group, right? And honor uh, literally just called me out of the blue. There is not a lot of people know the culture, know their language, and can share the gospel with them. This is why we came here. Farmers of Family was part of the coronavirus relief. They just kind of called and said, hey, we got some free food. Would you guys be able to hand it out to your community? We opened the parking lot and the people coming with the cars. We talk with them, we pray with them, and also we take some boxes to deliver it to the families. They can't come here. It's opportunity to share the gospel. We'll continue with games, we'll have egg hunting, and we'll have dinner, and we'll invite the people to go inside the church and join our service. It's wonderful what's going on. They feel in the church, they feel we are more family. It's an amazing opportunity. We came to reach our community, the whole Arab people, and now we have people from at least nine countries from the Arab world. When you give to Annie Armstrong, you don't give to organization, you give to the missionaries, and that allowed them to share the gospel. God has brought honor here. We're going to support him, we're going to encourage him, we're going to walk with him, and we're going to see God get glory among their people in Cincinnati. So just pray that God will give them favor amongst the Arab-speaking people there, as well as to, to pray for the Arab-language church in Cincinnati to continue growing. Uh, we do have our partnership with Josh and Allison Hatfield in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, and I'd called er earlier this week to ask Josh if, if he would be able to talk with us live. He wasn't. He already had a commitment to speak somewhere else, but he was able to put together a video for us uh, on Friday and Saturday and sent that to me uh, on Saturday. So prayerfully watch and listen to Josh as he shares with us about the ministry there in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, as well as be in prayer about being involved in one of our mission trips that we're taking there this summer. Hello, Highland Baptist Church. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Joshua Hatfield, and um, my wife Allison, myself, and our five kids, we are uh, church planting here uh, just outside of Calgary, Alberta, Canada. So we are in the province of Alberta, and we are in the southern portion. And uh, I'm so sorry uh, that I'm not able to be with you guys uh, in person or, or even live uh, this evening. My schedule wouldn't allow, but uh, I'm so thankful that you as a church are praying for missionaries and 
um, and gearing up for the Annie Armstrong Easter offering that is coming up here in a few weeks. And so I just wanted to share a little bit of an update with you guys since you as a church and an association as Duck River Association are supporting our family. Just wanted to share a little bit with you about what is going on here with our ministry. So one of my roles here uh, is the associate director of the Aspen Network. And the Aspen Network was started about four, four and a half years ago. Uh, there were two church plants. Uh, one had been around for a few years. The other church plant was just getting started. And they were just praying and dreaming together as to what would it look like if we saturated the 1A corridor uh, with the gospel together instead of trying to church plant alone. And by God's grace, now it has been about four and a half years, and we have uh, eight churches, uh, six of which have, have been planted in the last few years, but eight churches are a part of our uh, church planting network, and the vision of our network is very simple. We want to see every man, woman, and child that's uh, in, in this 1A corridor in southern Alberta to, to have multiple opportunities to hear, see, and respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we just think that planting together uh, is better. And when the church uh, continues to push forward and want to see pockets of lostness have a gospel presence, uh, churches tend to, to, to stay a little bit more healthy when we continue to push forward in mission and ministry. And so uh, it's a very fun and exciting uh, time to be a part of this network and, and watching how God has brought a lot of maturity to our network. And I wanted to also share a little bit with you. We get asked the question a lot, what does uh, or what has life and ministry been like under COVID the last few years? And so my family moved from Winston-Salem, North Carolina, all the way up here uh, to Alberta to help with this network and to help start new gospel works in communities where there are not gospel works. And uh, so we were here for about nine months before COVID hit. We've now been here almost three years. And uh, so much of our time in ministry here has been under COVID. And so it's a great question to ask, what, what does life and ministry look like under COVID? And for life, uh, it's very similar to what you would experience uh, the same challenges and frustrations and burdens and heartbreak, um, all of the same things that you would experience in your day-to-day -day life, we experience those things as well. And from a ministry perspective, we experience many of the same things that your church probably has experienced. Uh, death, uh, we mourn the loss of uh, dear friends who have died uh, with COVID. Uh, we we have experienced uh, challenges within the church, the body, uh, people finding themselves very passionate on one side or the other in terms of masks and restrictions and all of these various things. And that's also been a challenge, but we understand is not unique to us. And uh, so, you know, we in ministry, just as you do, we try to keep the main thing the main thing. We try to main, remain united around the gospel and allow secondary matters even uh, no matter how big of a deal they may seem, we try to keep them as secondary and focus our attention on the gospel. But some unique things uh, that we may be experiencing here that you have not is uh, the level of restrictions. Because uh, in Canada, we have provincial health care, 
which is a blessing. I can tell you that our family has had a good experience with that. I'm not making a political statement here. I'm just sharing with you that we've had a good experience with the provincial health care. But because the government does have to consider the strain that uh, every wave of COVID puts on the healthcare system, it does make us, uh, or as, as a, a government, it does make them approach this a little bit different than maybe you would in uh, the state of Tennessee or in the state of North Carolina where I'm from. And so we've had stricter measures along the way. Uh, some of them, you know, personally, I feel like they may have been a little over the top and unnecessary, and some of them have definitely been necessary. But one unique challenge that we faced with these ongoing COVID restrictions is it has not allowed us to gather in private homes. So for almost a year and a half, we were not able to meet in private homes. Our local government here in Alberta was trying very hard to allow churches to remain open. They made exemptions and said, you know, you know, if you distance and wear masks and stay at one third of fire capacity, uh, your churches can continue to gather corporately on Sunday. And so we praise God for that. Most of our churches in our network have benefited from that. We've been able to continue to, to get together and had very minimal shutdowns for a few weeks here and there. Um, but for our family's ministry strategy and for some others within our network, we want to see an intentional gospel presence in every neighborhood. And so neighborhoods here are much more clustered together. So you'll have hundreds of homes or thousands of people in a particular community. And so we've striven to see a gospel presence in each of those places where we can live out the gospel day to day instead of just inviting people to a corporate gathering on the other side of town, we bring the gospel to them and we share life with them. And so our family moved into the community of Fireside and we were um, hosting a meal on Thursday evenings that was open to the community to come in and share in that meal together. And then afterward, we would have a Bible study uh, and prayer time. And so this was a way that we were able to meet our neighbors and serve them, say, hey, come over for a free meal. We just want to get to know you. And we saw early on some tremendous growth and success in meeting our community. But what happened when the COVID restrictions came in and we weren't able to meet in private homes anymore is uh, we lost touch with those individuals. We continued to gather virtually online and also corporately on Sunday, but we weren't able to have those meaningful relational connections with the community. And that was really tough uh, to, to be evangelistic, to meet neighbors, to share the gospel uh, became a, a great challenge for our ministry. And so we have not really been able to necessarily recover from that, although our COVID restrictions have just recently lifted here in Alberta and things seem to be opening back up and we praise the Lord for that. But I did want to share some of those struggles with you uh, because we get that asked that question a lot. But I also wanted to share with you some really cool things that have happened. And uh, one of those in particular in the community of Fireside is that a couple uh, that were, they're Filipino, they're Christians, they were living in the community of Fireside. They were only a, um, a block away from where my wife and my family live. And uh, our family had to move out. Our landlord wanted to sell their home last year. So we had to move out of the community of Fireside. But that, that couple that were living there in Fireside um, and really had not thought too deeply about living as missionaries in that community 
now are thinking about living as missionaries and have, have a heart's desire to continue to open their home and host uh, something similar to what we were doing. And so we praise God for that. There is a gospel work, even though we are not able to be there, uh, there is a gospel work that was started, that was stirred up among the hearts of some Christians, and they are continuing on to plow ground in that neighborhood. And so we praise God for that work, uh, even in the midst of COVID struggles. Uh, we've had two uh, African churches. There's one that is Cong Congolese and another that is Nigerian primarily. They're in the northeast part of the city of Calgary. They're part of our network. Those two churches happen to meet in the same building in different rooms on Sunday corporately, but they've been praying together. They continue to worship separately because they speak different languages, but they pray together and they are praying about how do our churches work together to saturate our community with the gospel? And they've realized that even though they are Nigerian and Congolese and they are trying to reach their people group, that there is a vast majority of the people, possibly 70 to 80% of the people group there are Indian. And so they are praying for the Indian people around them and they are desperately uh, working together to find out how can we minister to uh, this population. And so we praise God in the midst of COVID, while we may have been focused on the various ministries that we had going on and very self-focused, uh, it's been really neat to see how God has used some of the COVID restrictions and challenges uh, to birth in us a, a refreshed vision and a renewed commitment to the areas that the Lord has called us to and to see the people, uh, because that's ultimately what it's about, is we want to bring the gospel to every man, woman, and child, and uh, we believe that that work is happening. Uh, and so the last thing I wanted to share with you guys is among our eight churches within our network currently, we have at least eight people that I am aware of who in some way or another, whether they're church planting, they're considered a, an apprentice, uh, or they are just a church planting team member, some of us, uh, eight of us, receive some type of funding and support from the North American Mission Board. Um, this is not the same as the IMB, where IMB fully funds their missionaries. Uh, the NAM and church planting uh, it, it is very generous and is very helpful, but it's not full support. And so most of our people have to be bivocational or raise outside support in addition to, but at least eight people within our eight church plants here at the Aspen Network receive some type of funding from the North American Mission Board. And we just wanted to say thank you, Highland Baptist Church, for being sensitive to the Lord's uh, call on many of our lives to be church planters. Your generous support of the Annie, uh, Annie Armstrong Easter offering goes directly to NAM, and NAM is doing a fantastic job of loving on and supporting its church planters all across North America. And so we just wanted to say thank you. And, and, and I also want to implore with you to to pray personally and as a family and even as a church family, uh, how God would move in your heart to be a part of church planting. He may not have called you to plant a church somewhere, but he has called all of us to support the, the work of church planting and missionaries around the world and here in North America. And so we just want to say thank you and, and, and just implore you to pray about how God would have you to support. Uh, obviously, 
our work here would be exponentially more difficult without generous supporters like you giving to the North American Mission Board and their support of our work. So we just want to say praise God, thank you, and I hope that your series leading up to Easter is a blessing to you and magnifies the glorious name of our risen Savior, Jesus Christ. Hello. And we're glad that we got to hear that report from Josh. And so be in prayer for him and Allison and their family. The last thing we want to share with you tonight is that um, millions of Southern Baptists just like us uh, over this week will be faithfully praying for these featured missionaries, their families, their churches, their communities. But know this, this is only a few uh, representatives of a much larger missionary force. The North American Mission Board uh, sponsors and, and supports over 5,000 missionaries just for North America. That's not including our international missions that has even more than that. And so because of our faithful prayers and our faithful giving every day uh, throughout North America, there are thousands of workers who are reaching people across divides of culture, language, and ethnicity with the gospel. So watch this last video about how, where does that money go when you give to the Annie Armstrong Easter offering. When you and your church give, you send hope. In small towns, big cities, and college campuses, God uses your sacrificial giving and your partnership with the North American Mission Board to make this happen over and over again. And at NAM, we think it's important for you to know how God uses your gifts to produce results. Southern Baptist churches like yours fund North America missions through two primary sources. First, the cooperative program. Your gifts to the CP typically come from your church budget and then go directly to your state convention. Each state then sends a portion of that money to the SBC Executive Committee, and from there, more than half of CP goes to the International Mission Board. NAM, SBC Seminaries, and other entities receive a percentage as well. NAM receives 22.79% of cooperative program dollars. We use those funds to support evangelism events, to support ministry centers and missionaries, to endorse chaplains, and for operations. Altogether, those funds make up 35% of our budget. But the largest part of NAM's budget, 50%, comes from the Annie Armstrong Easter offering for North American missions. More than 100 years ago, this offering was named for a bold missions advocate who rallied SBC churches in support of missionaries. Today, Southern Baptists have thousands of missionaries serving in North America. They are spreading the gospel through Sin Network, our church planning arm, and Sin Relief, our evangelistic compassion ministry area. And when you give to the Annie Armstrong Easter offering through special offerings, your church budget, or directly to NAM. You're helping these missionaries by providing the fuel to assess, train, coach, and care for them. It helps pay for things like Bibles, curriculum, ministry equipment, or even rent for a worship facility. Some churches may refer to this offering as the North America Missions Offering or something else. Whatever you choose to call the Annie Armstrong Easter Offering, it is unique because every dollar goes directly to support missionaries where the need and the opportunity are the greatest. It goes all over North America, including our largest, most influential cities where the gospel presence has been on the decline. Your giving helps plant new, reproducing churches. And now, in many urban areas, we're starting to gain ground. 
It goes to places like international and refugee communities where tens of thousands of people, many from countries closed to the gospel, move every year. Your giving is sending missionaries to love them and share the hope of Christ. In a hundred different ways, in a thousand different places, all of your gifts are enabling missionaries to start new churches, baptize new believers, and make disciples. That's how your giving works. As you pray and give, we at the North American Mission Board are so grateful to be your partner, helping you fulfill the Great Commission. Together with you and your church, every day we are sending hope. And so, as you heard there, you know, giving is important, but especially what we're emphasizing this week is your prayer support. Your prayer support is a vital engine to this ministry. So prayer isn't the least thing you can do, it's the most thing you can do. And so your prayers for these North American missionaries this week uh, will be powerful and they don't have to end this week. Be praying about what God would have you to give towards the Annie Armstrong Easter offering. And Mr. Reem is gonna come and close us in prayer. Wow, I hope your heart has been stirred as mine has. There's a scripture verse I'd like to read before we close in prayer tonight that comes from Romans chapter 15, verses 5 and 6. Now may the God who gives endurance and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another according to Christ Jesus, so that you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ with one mind and one voice. Let's pray. Dear Father, we come before you tonight boldly to your throne of grace. We come before you with thankful hearts that in these past few minutes that we've been able to see so much of what's going on throughout North America to glorify your name. We've heard about so many missionaries that represent many, many more missionaries that are investing their lives to share the gospel. And Father, we just come before you with thankful hearts that you have called them and that they have answered that call. We pray, Father, diligently that we might remember them, remember their needs, and according to your perfect will that they are met. We pray, Father, that our hearts have been stirred to know that we can be a part of that mission effort. Right here, as we uh, live in Tullahoma, as we seek to find out what we can do to further the mission efforts all across North America, I pray that you would just work within our hearts and our minds that we might want to give sacrificially so that the offerings that are given can be put to work in so many different places that need the hope that only Jesus Christ can bring. Father, I thank you for Josh and for Allison as they served in Calgary, Alberta. I thank you for their commitment, for the zeal and enthusiasm he has to share in that part that you've called them to. And I ask that you would just continue to uh, work with them to guide them and direct them as they serve on that mission field that you might stir our hearts for those back here that might be wanting to be a part of mission teams for mission efforts that can go out even short term and be a part of sharing the gospel. 
So Father, we thank you so much for the opportunities that we have to learn, to grow, to give, and to go. And we just thank you that you might stir our hearts and guide us and direct us. I thank you for Pastor Jim and his willingness to want to be part of missions here and abroad. Thank you for just this evening tonight of being able to hear and to see what's going on in your name. So as we leave tonight, I pray that it might be a week of prayer, not only for this week, but in the days ahead that we might always remember that you have called us and that we answer the call. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Easter eggs, these baskets that are over here, if you want to take a basket home with you, uh, you could do some eggs at home and bring the basket back. Uh, if those are gone, uh, see us tomorrow. We'll put some more baskets together tomorrow for you to do. But thank you for joining us uh, online. We'll see you Wednesday night for our study in Revelation, and you continue praying uh, for all of our missionaries uh, throughout this coming week. Thank you, and have a blessed week.